Why choose a Sleep Number smart bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number smart bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 smart bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number special edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Kim. I just wanted to wish everyone a very happy new year. On today's episode, we are talking to MD, Dr. Ken Redcross, about homeopathic tips for surviving and thriving during cold and flu season. Now, what do you suggest to patients um, that you have that, you know, maybe having some cold and flu symptoms of, you know, what they can possibly take care of at home and then what, you know, when they know or when they should go to the doctor? You know, I'm glad you talked about that part there, Dr. Kim, because you're right. When you're, especially a new parent, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to run to the doctor. And you're right. Most times, everyone, it is viral. So, you know, antibiotics are a different argument in and of itself, but aren't going to be necessary. I always talk about like this magical 48-hour window to kind of watch and see what we can do. And that's why when you talk about, you know, homeopathic things, that's why it becomes important because it does a lot of things for families. I recognize, number one, um, they're safe. Um, number two, they're over the counter. And more importantly, they also don't interact with other things as far as side effects. And if your child is on other medications. Hi, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Dr. Red Cross, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's so good to see you. Oh, thank you for having me on. I am so excited. I've waited so long. So now we are together. Now thank we you. are here. And it's the new year. We are in the thick of all things, goals, resolutions, and yes. all of that. But we are also in the thick of cold and flu season. Am I right? Oh, <laughs> or am so I right? right? Unfortunately, you are so right. But the good thing is we can prepare for that, everyone, because we know it comes every year. So we'll yes. talk about some good things. Yes, that is true. I used to dread January when my kids were little, when they were yeah. infants and toddlers, because, you know, there were so many respiratory things going around like RSV. And my son used to get croup a lot when he was a little. Mm -hmm. And there was just so much happening that it used to terrify me this time of year to be a parent because, you know, they're just so helpless at that age. And, know. you know, and even now as they get older, as a parent, you're a parent yourself, you know, it's, it's hard for when you see your kids sick. And it's especially hard when the parent get sick. And if you're sick at the same time, if you're a parent and you're sick and your child's sick, it's like the oh, worst combination ever. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, it's no, the worst. absolutely. You know, it's interesting. And so here I am a, a physician and during this cold and flu season, I have twins, everyone. And so, you know, when one got it, the other one got it as well. So even for me as a practicing physician, it was always like, what can I give them? I'm a little bit on the natural side of healing than using my prescription pad, everyone. So it was always a challenge to figure out how can I navigate this cold and flu season and still kind of hold to my principles with thinking of things that are closer to the earth to keep us healthy and whole. 
Exactly. And I think that's what I try to do as a parent as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I love homeopathic medicines. I love homeopathic, um, uh, uh, I guess, routines and things like that. So what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say is when my child gets sick, I don't jump and go to the doctor right away, which I know know if that's good or bad (laughs) talking to a physician. Oh, no, it's both. Don't worry. Um, but I used to when they were little, but then I started learning, you know, the, the patterns and okay, not to be more anxiety ridden over it and, and kind of thinking through things. Okay, you know, do they have a fever? Do they not? You know, what are their symptoms? You know, is it something that needs more medical care? Is it something I can probably take care of at home? Um, right. You know, starting off with maybe a humidifier and some right. saline drops, you know, versus going to try and plus if it's if it's not viral, the medication's not going to help anyway. But you know, just trying to help with some of those things at home. Now, what do you suggest to patients um, that you have that, you know, maybe having some cold and flu symptoms of, you know, what they can possibly take care of at home and then what, you know, when they know or when they should go to the doctor? You know, I'm glad you talked about that part there, Dr. Kim, because you're right. When you're, especially a new parent, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to run to the doctor. And you're right. Most times, everyone, it is viral. So, you know, antibiotics are a different argument in and of itself, but aren't going to be necessary. I always talk about like this magical 48-hour window to kind of watch and see what we can do. And that's why when you talk about, you know, homeopathic things, that's why it becomes important because it does a lot of things for families. I recognize, number one, um, they're safe. Um, Number two, they're over-the-counter. And more importantly, they also don't interact with other things as far as side effects. And if your child is on other medications, like one of my twins has been on medications for different challenges. And so when you think of things that you can reach for as a family, especially during this cold and flu season, one of the things I talk to them about is one, it's a long name, everyone, it's called Oscillococcinum. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a homeopathic. I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it, yes. And I've taken it before, to be honest, too. Yes. And me too. And the, the twins, are, you know, it's so funny. So for kids who are two years of age, and so my kids have been taking it since they were about four or so, and now they're 18, everyone. Wow. And the reason why it's important is that I love it because it's portable. They're little micro pellets. You put them under your tongue. They love them as kids because they taste like little sugar pellets. Um, I also like the fact that it's natural. You know, there's not all these dyes and things that are, believe me, everyone, cough medicine isn't normally orange or cherry red. Uh, right. Just so you know, that's not normal. Um, <laughs> so when you think of things like that, that can, you know, be portable because they don't require water, things that make their lives easier and also our lives as parents easier when we're on the go and trying to fumble around with all these things. So when you think about that, one of the bigger things from my practice, even though I'm a Western trained physician, everyone, I trained here at Columbia in New York many moons ago, I learned that there were alternative ways to heal. And like I always say, closer to the earth without that side effect stuff I need to kind of worry about. Right, exactly. And I think it's hard for kids to take medication. So I think having something that they don't have to, especially, I mean, obviously they don't swallow pills, but like you said, if you're on the go, if you're traveling, you know, to take all of those liquid type medications. And I mean, I, I preach so much on synthetic dyes and processed foods and sugar and all the things. because. It just, it's not good for our bodies physically, obviously, but then it also alters things like mood and behavior and things, yeah. you know, therapeutically. And so I just try to get, stay away from those completely, you know, and every time my child, my kid, my poor children, they go to the store and they see something and it's red and they're like, mom, is there red day 40 in this? Can I eat this? Is <laughs> oh this okay? Paranoid. Well, you know what, but you know what, that's a healthy, good paranoia there. Yeah. Yes. And so Dr. Kim, I'll say something. I, 
I'm actually very excited to speak with you today about this sort of thing as you talk about from your background, just the the mental health aspects of these things, kind of with our kids. I mean, things are different, but but once again, what's happening when they're not feeling well, when they're not doing well, all of these things are interrelated um, in the way that we feel. So I love that your background fits perfectly as we talk about this. And so when we talk about cold and flu, I talk a lot about oscillococcinum, but for the same reasons I like homeopathy, they have cold calm, which are these tablets. Once again, everyone, they dissolve. When you think of a cold, think neck up. So runny nose, stuffy nose, congestion. Cold calm is good, but our kids need to be four years of age and older. But again, None of the synthetic dyes, none of the worrying about drug-to-drug interactions, none of the worrying about kind of the, the side effects, and more importantly, they're safe. Um, I like to use them in that early window when, you know, my kids weren't feeling well and so forth. And then if something else changes, if the child becomes a little more listless or they're not taking in enough fluid over the next 48 hours, that's a call to the doc to see kind of where to go. Um, but all of this affects our mood and our being. I talk a lot about that, just the spirituality of healing and health. And so um, I appreciate you bringing those sort of things up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they do. They're, they're so intertwined. And so one of the questions I have as a therapist, I talk a lot about managing and minimizing stress. So mm-hmm. how does stress play a role with our immune system, especially this time of year in the midst of cold and flu season? Well, all right. So everyone, it's so funny. So I always call it the S word. I never say the word stress. Everyone. I think it manifests. I always call it the S word. But right. You get more things... stress when you say the word stress. Do you think, when you oh, say is that it, right? right now? Like, all right. What's going on? What's nearby? Um, so the important thing, everyone, is that it, it's a really big deal for a couple of different reasons. Number one, we know what it does to our microbiome. Everyone, that's the good bacteria in our gut. So we know that the S word or stress kills the good bacteria, which believe it or not, over 80 to 90% of the immune cells are housed in our gut. So therefore, when you lose that good bacteria, it kind of helps you understand a little bit of what's going on. And so there are a lot of ways to kind of manage that, especially us as parents. But for children, it's a lot of what you do, Dr. Kim, what you talk about, those sort of things. So believe me, dealing with the stress or the S word is a big deal. Even when our kids are little, the world's a little bit of a different place. And so when you're thinking about that, especially during cold and flu season, also remember the importance of sleep. Um, Sleep is something else that's incredibly important for our children to, to try and get. We know one sleepless night can throw your immune system off. It's when we're sleeping and resting that our immune cells come out of our lymph nodes and do all the work for us to try to fight these things that are in our body. So the CDC says we're supposed to get seven and a half hours. So you can only imagine when we're only getting two or three or our children, why all of this is such a setup um, to, to get sick and get ill. But with changing some of these things on our own and our behaviors, we can make a big difference in our child's health and our health as well. Exactly. Having those healthy habits. And that's what I'm really focusing on this year is wellness in general. You know, those healthy sleep habits, um, healthy eating habits, um, hydration. When you talk a little bit about hydration, that's another big one. And then, you know, just things that lower your stress, you know, whatever that means, you know, setting boundaries, saying no, um, you know, just not stuffing your calendar full of everything. You know, like there's so many just ways to 
to combat stress that I yeah. think a lot of people are just in that flight or fight mode for so long and mm-hmm. they're in that survival state and they don't really know how to get out of it because they're just busy and it's hard to slow down when you're at that heightened level for so long, you know, but there's, there's definitely ways to do that, but that's, that's a whole nother, a whole nother podcast episode. But, um, t- will you talk about hydration before we move on? Because when we're talking about he- wellness and healthy sleep habits and healthy living habits, um, hydration has a big role in that too. It really does. And I'm so glad you said that because I was going to I was going to share this. So when we talk about hydration, everyone, obviously, let's think about our days. We're able to get tea or coffee or what have you and hydrate ourselves or we're not feeling well It's easy. We can drink. Imagine our little kids, our little children where they can't really verbalize exactly what's going on. And we have to figure out are getting enough fluids in. Now, the interesting thing is we always talk about it. We know it's important for our kids to stay hydrated. But why? Especially during this time of year. So think about this, everyone. When you're not getting enough fluid or liquids in, your mucous membranes, our eyes, our nose, our mouth, they are dry. Guess what loves that sort of environment? Viruses. They love that way. They can wiggle in that nice dry environment to wiggle in there and get in our system and get us sick versus a moist one when you get the moist and the mucus pushes that stuff away before it's allowed to burrow into our bodies. And so hydration may seem like, oh, it's just simple and you drink the fluid, but it's doing so much more for you. So I want everyone to kind of think even a little more scientifically that you're kind of putting on your doctor hat as well during that moment when you're making sure your child is properly hydrated. The other question I get, Dr. Kim, is, well, how do I know, especially when my kid gets a little older? Well, when you're looking at the urine, I love it to look just like water going in and water going out, that it's clear. That way I know you're properly hydrated and where your body needs to be, euvolemic, we call it, or where it should be. That's that's a great visual. I mean, you know, it's it's funny because as parents know when you're when you're little and sorry, my mind went here. Yes, it did. Is you know they talk you talk about poop a lot when your kids are little. Oh, yes. What does the poop look like? You know, and there's so many different you know articles out there about you know what parents mm-hmm. are supposed to look for in their you know in their child's poop. But then it also, like I said, as they get older, I think then you still have to look at their for their pee and what's in their urine and what's in their exactly. Water. You just flip but it a little bit. <laughs> just this the life of a parent sometimes just cracks me up because. <laughs> You know, there's just this constant looking out for these these things. Now, let's speak about something else when it comes to hydration. I know as a parent, it's you know pretty common sense that if your child is vomiting uh, or vomiting a lot, that you know they need to be hydrated. And a lot of times, sometimes they can't keep the the liquids yep. down. Yep. Um, so I don't know if you have a suggestion for that. But my my point being is fevers. Um, yeah. I, I know that, you know, obviously when your child is, is hot and, you know, they're, they're exuding that heat, that having the hydration during a fever is, um, is, is healthy and, and better for them too. But I think a lot of parents don't go there. And even when I first read that, I was thinking, oh, well, I know to keep my kid hydrated when they're, they're sick, when they're vomiting, you know, cause that mm-hmm. just makes sense. Mm-hmm. But why, why so much with a fever? Is, is it just because their body is hot or what should parents think about when their child has a fever and how to kind of just combat that at home, if, if you will? Yeah. So that's an awesome question. So let's think even deeper about fevers. So fevers, everyone, even though when our child has a fever and they're kind of down for the count and it kills us and so forth, there's an interesting thought around that. So a fever 
our body creates to get that temperature high, not to make our child feel bad, but it kills what's in our bodies that's affecting things. So it's like a, a double sort of benefit, but then not a benefit. I'll tell you this though, but when the fevers are there, that's when it's important to also recognize that there's what we call insatiable losses, everyone. So we know when we're running that mile or in the marathon, we're sweating all over. Insatiable losses are losses that you don't really feel or you don't know you're, it's happening. So here we have our child and our child has a little fever and so forth, but we're not realizing that there is sweat all over the place that we really can't see. So those are the fluids that are being lost, which is really important to try to get a little bit in, whether it's Pedialyte or something along those lines or something that's you know a little more natural if water isn't there. But my point is that fever is also causing these losses of fluid. And so it's why it's even more important because you get behind. You get behind when vomit comes. We see the vomit and we're like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. They're not vomiting anymore. Great. My doctor mind gets back to, we have to fill that back up. That <laughs> right. cup has been tipped. And now we have to make sure that we're filling it up. The same thing, once again, we're talking poop, Dr. Kim, when it comes from <laughs> the bottom, it's the same thing when diarrhea comes. I need to tank that back up again. So let's think about a fever as a little bit more than just a temperature. We want to manage our child feeling better, but let's say, how can I sneak some fluid back there? Because we know that we've tipped some fluid out here and there or some exactly. liquid out. Exactly. But I think sometimes when your kids are sick, you, you kind of go in that panic mode a little bit sometimes sure. and you kind of forget these things. So I think these are all really great reminders for parents. Now, two quick questions I have that are related, but somewhat a little bit off topics. I want to still talk more about the homeopathic sure. aspect of, of medicine. Uh, when your kids are sick, especially since you have two, I have two, mm -hmm. is it better when your one child is sick to expose the rest of the family, the, the other child and so forth to kind of, if you will, get it over with, or maybe just expose them to, you know, improve their immune system? Or should they be isolated if one child is sick? And should you stay away from that, that child? So, you know, you don't get those germs? What, what do you what, what, what would you do in your family? You know, it's interesting how much um, how much has changed over the years in my in my practice. The pandemic really changed some things. I mean, look, I, I'll date myself. This is a little earlier than me, so I won't date myself terribly. But years ago, in the sixties and seventies, if a child got chicken pox, you just exposed the other one because it was inevitable, right? And so that was the way things used to sort of be. But now, since kind of twenty twenty around that time. If a child does come down with something, you know, we're doing a little more isolation. I know in the, in the Red Cross household, for instance, you know, luckily, and as I as I told you guys, they're, they're twins. Um, we kind of do the separation thing best we can. They're older now for me. So lots of times, guys, they fight and don't want to be together anyway. Uh, but that's for, that's for your third show with me, all right? That kills me as an only child. But anyway, um, the point is, so I'm at the time where we're doing a little bit of separation. But when they were younger, everyone, and this is obviously before 2020, uh, we even kind of kept them a little separate, but it didn't work. So we, were, we weren't as vigilant about it. So kind of to your other point, Dr. Kim, in the beginning, it was kind of like, it's all right. They're going to get it. They're always all the, over each other. But as they got older, it's a little space and a little easier now. Right. And it's hard because I feel like even when you try to keep them apart, sometimes they get it anyway. Like my yeah. child had one yeah. of them had the flu uh, earlier in the Thanksgiving week. And then a few days later, the other one got it. And I really didn't try to keep them apart or separate. They just, you know, the germs were just around the house, you know, so even when you try it, it you know, right. doesn't happen. But I feel Good like there's point. that mentality out there. And so this leads to my next question. Next question, then we'll go back to, um, you know, some homeopathic ways to deal with, um, you know, illness. 
but mm-hmm. is the mentality of, especially since the pandemic, um, you know, they've been talking about, you know, washing your hands and, you know, yeah. using hand sanitizer and all the things to keep your hands clean. But then there's another camp out there, even post pandemic, there's another camp out there that says, well, if you do that too much, then you're not going to let yourself get those natural germs and, you know, build that immunity and things like that. So where's the balance in that? Or, you know, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a hand washer. I have my yeah. kids wash my hand, wash their hands. I have the hand sanitizer, all the things. Uh, we were at Disneyland yesterday and I was like, every, oh, after every ride, I'm spraying their hands and I'm oh, like, you are not awesome. getting sick right now. Right. Um, but, you know, but then, you know, like I said, there's, there's thoughts out there that if you do yeah. that too much, then they're not going to build a natural immunity to things. And it's okay to have a little germs on your hands once in a while. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So look, everyone, I'll tell you this, the hallmark of kind of everything to keep us from getting sick, especially during this time of year is in fact, hand washing. Like everything should really, hand washing should be number one before all the things we're even talking about, because we recognize we give this stuff to ourselves. We rub our nose, we rub our eyes, or we rub our mouth and don't think about it. And so hand washing, in fact, that old adage of singing happy birthday to me, that's about 20 seconds. That's more important than you than you think. Now, on the flip side, the reason why that other thought process out there, everyone, is because we have good bacteria as well that live on our hands that we see that you can't see, but it's there every day. So the thought process was, can you wash it and get rid of those with some of these antibacterial things? Will that make things worse? And won't you get the germs? Believe me, I tell everyone we're exposed to enough. Believe me, um, you don't have to stop hand washing. They're there with friends and they're given handshakes and they're given hug. Believe me, there's enough exposure then to stop hand washing. Okay, so don't stop that um, if you if you can. The other question I'll, I'll well the other comment I'll make: hand washing's better than the hand sanitizer. Nothing beats it. If you can't do it and you're out in the, at um, Disneyland or something. Absolutely. But if someone has a choice and they say they're in their home and all that, you know, try to do the good old soap and water. And don't forget about your nails um, as well, not just the hand. You know, my kids, when they were younger, they like wash this portion of their hand. And I'm like, you know, you have fingers and nails on those, too. Um, But that's the important (laughs) thing to keep in mind. I'm laughing because when I do spray my kids' hands sometimes with the sanitizer, they they all of a sudden rub the back of their hands like this. And I'm I'm going, wait, that's not where you eat or where you touch your feet. Right. You, know, you have to do the inside of your hands where your palms are. Thank you. And like lotion or something. And I'm like, there you go. Thank you. I know, I know. So it's important that we're talking about this. Yes, it is. Um, and you know, it's, it's funny because my son had a play date the other day and and he's young. He just turned seven. He's in first grade. So he's a little one, but he was having a play date the other day and the mom and I were talking and he's had a cough for a very long time. And I was like, he's not sick, but you know, he just has this lingering cough that just won't go away. And you know, all the things and it's probably more allergy related at this point. And her son had some sort of ear infection that he's been on antibiotics, Mm -hmm. you know, in the last week. And so he wasn't Mm -hmm. contagious, but they were having this play date and we were saying to each other, why I hope they don't get sick. I think, I think they're fine now, you know, kind of thing. And as they're sitting at the table, talking so close to each other's faces as little kids do, and we're like, well, it's too late anyway, because little kids talk so close to each other. There's no personal space at that. It is over. If you guys had like a a special scope infrared, (laughs) you'd see so many droplets being exchanged. So don't worry. 
Don't worry. Yeah, there was no six feet apart happening on that play date. No, and, you know, no. at that age, it's so hard to, to keep them healthy, especially in the school setting and, you know, all the things. So, so let me ask you this. Um, what are some of the remedies that you do prefer to give your patients or even your own family when yeah. they're sick? Is, I know you mentioned cold calm and, you know, but what else, um, uh, you know, do you suggest that a, a, that a family do, whether it's an adult or a child, do when they're sick, especially when it comes to cold and flu? Yeah. So, so one of the things I do, everyone, I kind of keep a kit. I wish I had it nearby. I have my little black bag because I, I make house calls in my practice. And so in my black bag, or even as we travel, it was the oscillococcinum because once they feel fluy, um, the studies show that in the first 48 hours, it makes a difference in decreasing the severity and the duration of those symptoms. The second thing I mentioned already was cold calm. Once again, I'm right on it and they're portable, everyone. So, you know, it's a lot easier and we're kind of out and, and about even with, you know, tours of colleges and that sort of thing. Um, it's important to have those things. The other thing is one of my twins, and I don't know if this is some of you out there, he, he typically gets like sore throats. So they also have throat calm. And throat calm is for when you're four years of age and older. And that helps for like minor sore throat or when you feel it coming on. I like it because it kind of works on um, some of the some of the symptoms that you get when you're getting that sore throat, especially when it's hard to swallow um, other things that, you know, people may take medicine wise and so forth to help relieve it. And so those are some things that I like as a family that once again, we've been doing this with my kids since they were in first grade even to now that they can take kind of control of their health as they get a little older. And even us as parents can know, you know, this is a good window to try something that's over the counter, closer to the earth to see if my kid turns the corner. And that 48 hour window, like I said, is kind of when we're like, okay, you know, he or she is better or they're just not turning around quick enough. That's the doctor call um, there and to say, okay, maybe a little bit something else is brewing. Right. Now you talked about uh, the the throat um, medicine when, you know, a child has a a sore throat or even an adult, uh, you said four years plus on that one, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, What about coughs? I feel like coughs are really hard, especially for children, because, you know, they, especially young children, you know, can't really take cough medicine. And if they do, it's um, usually, it's just maybe the taste isn't that good or, you know, it's always that liquidy type thing. Um, What do you suggest for coughs? Like I said, my son has had this cough for like a month and I can't get rid of it for the life of me. I feel like I've tried everything, Um, but the doctor says nothing's wrong. Just it'll go away on its own and to fire up and this and that. And I'm like, okay, but do you have any other recommendations um, out there? Because I feel like that's a tough one, especially this time of year. It's a tough one, but one is uh, the one that I talk to about with my kids and even patients. It's like a double win. It's another homeopathic remedy, everyone. It's called Chestol. Um, Chestol is a honey-based um, cough medicine. That's why I said it's a double win because you will have no problems getting your kids to take this medication. But, you know, honey is also a natural way as an anti-tussive. It's not a suppressant. That's why I like about the chest oil. It's not a suppressant to keep it there. It just helps with some of those secretions. But honey has been used for eons as far as a benefit for its antibacterial properties, um, but also as an anti-tuss of everyone, which means just to help that little tickle cough that it sounds like that one of one of your children may have where you can get a really good benefit for that as well. 
or with right. that? I, I, I did have some. Um, I'm going to look and see if it's still, if it hasn't expired yet. Because <laughs> right. I always kind of right. keep these things on hand. You should see that I have a drawer. Um, it, it, the, the company that we're referring to is Boron. And right. they have, you know, cold calm and, you know, all the medicines we've been talking about, all the homeopathic medicines. And I stock up. But then sometimes, yeah. you know, you don't need them and, you know, you have to make sure right. that they're not expired and, and whatnot, you know. So I need to check on that because I know I did have some and I ordered it the last time he had a bad cough like this. And then I think it kind of did just go away at one point and I don't know how long it's been since. So I'm going to go in my medicine drawer and check because I do. I keep these on hand. I tell people to keep them on hand because yeah. you never know when it's going to strike. And like you said, being almost preventative at the very beginning and taking the medicine within the first 48 hours, you know, by the time you realize you're sick it might be past that 48 hour period, or it might be so far along, you have to go to the store and who wants to go to the store when they're sick. Like if you have it in your medicine cabinet at home already, you're already one step ahead and you're already prepared because it can strike and it can strike pretty quickly, right? And maybe even the middle of the night sometimes. It really can. And the other thing that's important as well, as much as we, you know, love and adore our kids and we understand how difficult and challenging it is, we have to stay healthy as well. We have to keep the household well or else we can't do what we need to for our, for our beautiful children. And, you know, the other thing is, is that we're also busy. And so when we're all busy and so forth, we don't necessarily take time to think about, you know, our impact on keeping the kids healthy and so forth. And, you know, a lot of that is about making our lives easier. And to be quite honest, you know, that was one of the bigger things for me um, when my twins were born at the time. I was in California, and that's when I learned more about homeopathy was that, oh, my gosh, we were out there without any help and support, and they get these colds, they get in the daycare and forget about it. And then I learned like, oh my gosh, there's a way to make them feel better quicker. I don't need a doctor's appointment most times. Um, and it's easy. And we were always a family who, you know, a lot of road trips and that sort of thing to when that kind of, you know, it's interesting. It's a beautiful thing, believe me, with you guys who have younger children. It's a beautiful thing to see your child evolve over the years and they learn other ways that are natural. Or let's say, as I say, closer to the earth to stay well or know when their symptoms are coming or on a first name basis with these things, because those are the things I want them reaching for um, over time, especially because, like I said, you know, uh, medicine is at a different place. There's very little you can give your kids nowadays over the counter um, that you don't kind of have to be a little bit concerned about. Um, so it's nice that they have kind of grown up in that sort of household. Yes, it's always been very important to me, uh, you know, what I put in my body, what I put in their body, you know, yeah. uh, just looking at ingredients on everything, whether it's food or medicine or whatever it is. And so I am much more of that natural, you know, you know, Great. closer to the earth, homeopathic um, mom. And I know not everyone's like me, but I think there's a lot of education to be shared about the benefits of homeopathic medicine, which is why we're, you know, chatting here today, because Absolutely. like you said, Said, not only is it you know over the counter, it's convenient. Um, you can get it at the stores, but you know I want to also say that if you want some of these medicines and you are sick and you don't feel like going out, you can order them online. Um, I, the, a lot of the boron medicines I use, I order on Amazon. Yeah, and it's there. Yeah. You know, sometimes the next day, you know, sometimes it does take those two days. So that's why I'm saying get it now. You know, you don't even have to leave your own house. You know, just order some now. Right. Have some cold calm. You know, you know, just put it in your medicine cabinet, and then when you need it, it's there. You know, it does it does last a long time. It's you know doesn't expire pretty quickly. Um, you know, because I do work with a lot of um, addiction and different things like that, and I know that you know sometimes some medicines aren't safe for those types of things, but. Right. 
when you're, you know, or, or, or overdosing or things like that. And I think, you know, these type of homeopathic medicines, you know, as a parent, you can rest assured it's, it's a brand you can trust. It's a type right. of medicine you can trust. Um, and like you said, it's, it's so effective that it, it's really, you know, especially during cold and flu season, a, exactly. a parents, you know, right hand, you know, so no, exactly. kids That's take exactly it, my kids take it and they love it. I mean, they don't love it. It's not like they love taking it. They, no one really likes but, to take medicine, but, but they take it without a fight, which I think is a big plus for parents too. Oh, totally. Which once again, makes our lives easier as we yes. run around and try to do everything we can for our children. And so it's nice to get a little bit of that buy-in. Um, and that's a good thing. They get the buy-in because, um, like I said, the little oscillo pellets taste sugary. So they like that. The uh, chest all also has a honey base. That thing is good. But more importantly, they just feel better. And that yeah. just makes everything better for them. And obviously for, for us, as we can continue to parent them and, and want to stay well also. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Dr. Red Cross, thank you so much for joining us today. You just inspired, I think, hopefully a lot of people to be proactive and preventative in their own physical health when it comes to lowering their stress, being more hydrated, getting enough sleep at night, which I know can be hard for parents. I get it. I've been there too. And it's, it's hard to do. But if you can... Um, you know, I think all of those preventative measures really are helpful, but then we also have the other side of it where, you know, we're teaching other parents about our, our favorite homeopathic type right. medicines right. to help them when they do, you know, end up getting sick. So I appreciate all of your wisdom and your oh, time. Right. And, uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you with, with more questions or information? Oh, absolutely. I'd love that. So my, all of my social media stuff, everyone is Dr. Ken, K-E-N Red Cross, just like the American Red Cross. Um, feel free to reach out. And I really mean it to ask questions, say hello, whatever that is, because we all could use a little support in parentology, which I love. So thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.